Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. We're so glad that you would make a decision to tune in with us. I'm going to invite you, if you're watching today, or maybe you're even listening to this later on through podcasts, uh, to take a moment and get out a Bible and a notepad, and let's get ready to study the Word of God today. We're going to go to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, and we're going to pick up where we left off last week. How many of you know God wants to have a deep, intimate relationship with you? Two of you know. Anybody here, remember, I can't see you. Like, I can't see these people who are watching online, but I can't see you. You came to church today. How many of you know God wants to have a deep, intimate relationship with you? Does anybody? Yes. Yes, he does. You, no matter who you are, God wants to have a deep, intimate relationship with you. Now, what what if I told you this concerning relationships, that the key to a great relationship is to not betray the other person? Like, how many of you, do you think we could agree with that? Like, the, the key to a great relationship is just don't betray me. Like, that would be great. And we know that's a good key, but it's not the only key, right? Like, of course, in marriage or in a friendship, we don't want to be betrayed. But we know that's not the only thing that makes for a great relationship. But so many times, uh, religion and traditional even, I'd go that far, uh, I'll push that limit, the traditional Christianity would make this the sum total of what your relationship with God should look like. It's just don't betray him. Don't watch that. Don't listen to that. Don't go there. Don't date him. Just don't betray Jesus. Like, don't betray God. God is watching you. Do not betray God. And while there is a truth there, of course, like all of us, right, should be trying to move our lives in the direction of being more holy and more pure. And of course, it should grieve our hearts when we betray anybody that we love. But did you know God wants so much more than that for you? That God, he wants to walk with you. That what God literally wanted to do and wants to do and has done for anybody who walks this way is to redeem what we lost in Eden. That Eden was not just like this perfect environment where stuff worked. It was a place where God could walk with his family in the cool of the day. And man would not be afraid of God hiding behind his past sins, faults, and failures. But would be engaging with God. That he would be heard by God and that he would hear from God. And this is exactly what Jesus came to give us back. That one man's offense, Romans tells us, one man's mistake in Adam paved the way for like this massive fall where we lost that type of communication with our Heavenly Father. That by one man's mistake, that type of chaos could come into our world. Romans tells us that by one man's righteousness in Jesus Christ, that he would redeem back what was once sold to Satan. And that now everybody in this room can not only be known by God, but everybody in this room could also walk with him, hear from him, be led by him. 
This week, I was reading in Psalms. I heard Billy Graham say this, that he would read three Psalms a day and one proverb a day. And I never forgot that. I heard my father tell me that when I was a kid. And so periodically, I'm like, I'm going to read my three Psalms today and my one proverb. And the reason why three Psalms and one proverb is if you read three Psalms and one proverb, you can read the whole book of Psalms and the whole book of proverb, uh, Proverbs in a month. Uh, and so anyway, I was reading through Psalms and I came across this in Psalms chapter 139 and verse number one. Oh Lord, you search me and know me. How many of you know God knows you today? Amen. God knows you. He knows you watching online too. He knows if you're paying attention right now or if you're in the kitchen making a sandwich. God, <laughs> God knows you. And not only does he know you, he searched you. Watch this in verse number two. He keeps going. You know my down sitting and my uprising. Now, think about that. Like, it's easy to read over that. But when you sat down, God saw it. When you got up to worship, God saw it. You knew my downsetting and my uprising. You understand my thoughts afar off. God knows what you're thinking right now. He knows if you're actually paying attention or counting the lights in the sanctuary. God knows everything you are thinking right now. He knows your thoughts from afar off. He keeps going in verse number four. You compass my path, meaning the whole time you're walking in life, God is around you. Oh, think about that right now. That just that sent a little shiver down my spine. God is around me right now. He compasses me. God is around you right now. What if he could be real to you? He's there. What if he could be real to you? You compass my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all of my ways, verse 4. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it all together. What this is saying is God knows you intimately. You ever had somebody in life, like you, they thought they knew you, but you knew they didn't know you that well? It's like, I'll give you this example. Uh, you're in the supermarket. You just want to shop but someone else wants to talk. You ever been there? It's like, I just want to shop and they just want to talk. And you're there and they're talking and they think you're having a great time because you're smiling the whole time they're talking. But the whole time you're talking, they're, they're talking, all you're thinking is, I can't wait to get away from this conversation and go down aisle number five. Like, I just, I just want to go down aisle number five. So they thought they knew you, but they didn't really know you know you. They knew you from this, but they didn't know this. Some of you live with people who think they know you, but you know they don't. They know a part of you, but they may not know all of you. And here's what God is saying. I know it all. I know when you get up. I know when you lie down. When you walk, I'm all around you. When you go to bed at night, I'm right there with you. Whew. I know every thought you're thinking. I know every word you have said. I am intimately acquainted with you. I know you. Now that's amazing because in spite of God knowing all of that, he still loves you. And how many of you are thankful that we do serve an awesome God if he can know every thought you've ever thought, every word you've ever said, everything you've ever done and still love you in spite of that? That's amazing. And that's your God. That's, that's, no matter who you are, that's the way he feels about you. He's in love with you. Smitten, love-struck with you. Amazing. Now here you got a God who knows you like that. 
And there is not a theologian in the world who would dispute that fact. That God is all-knowing, which means he knows you. But did you know not only does God want to know you like that, God wants you to know him like that? That God wants you to know what grieves him. There are things that grieve God. You can know that. You can know what grieves him. You can know what makes him laugh. You know that he who sits in the heavens laughs, God laughs. All the joy that you see in the world, that came from God. Hilarity came from God. Calm delight. You ever just sat on a beach and just smiled? Like you weren't laughing out loud, but it's like, oh, it's just good to be here. Some of you said, I don't have to have a beach, just give me a chair with a football game on. Like, God, just give me football this fall. Like, there's calm delight, and you just feel joy. Do you know that's from God? Love. God loves things. You being chief. You can know what he loves. You can know what he hates. You know there's some things, some things, not people. There are things, though, according to the book of Proverbs. God hates. You can know him like that. You can know what he hates. And you can know his voice. That not only can you know him by name, but he knows you by name. And that you can know, Jesus said. And if Jesus was lying about that, what else was he lying about? This blows my mind how anyone can argue with this. If Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow, who are we to say that people can't hear from God today? You are in direct contrast to the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus said, my sheep, I will call them by name. Not my prophets, my pastors, my special ones who stand on stage with fancy microphones. My sheep will know my voice. Thank God I'm a sheep from God. They'll know my voice. I'll call them by name. I'll lead them out and they'll follow me. Thank God for that. Did you know what? You can have that in your life. No matter who you are, what you've done, where you've missed it, what sin you've committed. You can be the woman at the well who's in your fifth marriage. You can be the woman caught in adultery, cast at the feet of Jesus, and meet a loving God. (laughs) Who wants to love you? Not only love you, who wants to lead you? Led by God. Why don't you just say that with me today? Say, God loves me. Just say it one more time for me. God loves me. I don't care who you are. I'll say it one more time. You can be the woman at the well who's on her fifth marriage. You can be caught in the middle of adultery and thrown at the feet of Jesus and find a loving God. You can be a thief on a cross and be remembered by God. Hear him. Talk with him redeemed by him, restored by him, loved. Romans chapter 8. Let's open up our Bibles. Let's look at this passage of Scripture. We're going to start in verse number 14. You guys are listening so well. Thank you, Lord, for your help. Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verse number 14 here. For as many... As are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
let's just stop right there. We're reading that in our scripture, but just real quick, let's look at it together on the screens. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are who? The sons of God. Another word for sons, when you would translate it, is they took it and turned it into sons. What that means, though, is children. Children of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. Now, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the prophets of God. Because what it doesn't say is as important as what it does say. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the pastors of God. They are the perfect ones of God. They are the ones with their life completely put together and no mistakes. No. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Children of God should be, ought to be, are supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. And if I'm not being led by the Spirit of God, something is wrong with my sonship. Because if I'm a child of God, my blood-bought right is to be restored back to Eden, where I can walk with God in the cool of the day, where I can be led by the Spirit of God. Well, somebody says, well, so-and-so says, great, that's good for so-and-so. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, if you are a child of God, you should be led by God. You're supposed to be. You ought to be. You are called to be led by the Spirit of God. Thank God for that. As a kid, I grew up in church. My father was a pastor. My uncle was a pastor. History of pastors. And out of that, uh, I began hearing like this as a kid, hearing things like this as a kid. And it just kind of dawned on my heart one day of like, if I really could be led by God, like if I could be, if I could be led by God on to pastor or not to pastor, how to pastor a church through COVID, uh, if I could be led by the Spirit of God on who to marry, if I could be led by the Spirit of God on how to talk to my children, if I could be led by the Spirit of God on where to put my money, if I could be led by the Spirit of God on where not to put it, if I could be led by the Spirit of God on what school to send my kids to, if I could be led by the Spirit of God on where to live, what job to take. I, I just had this thought that if I could learn to be led by the Spirit of God, I think I'll have it made. And after 18 years of pastoring, I am more convinced than ever that if I can learn how to be led by the Spirit of God, I can have it made. Well, somebody says, is that available to everyone? Apparently, if you're a child of God, in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14, back on the screens, please. If you are a child of God, you can be led by the Spirit of God. Now, let's keep reading here in verse number 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Let's not just read over that. That's important. Verse 15, for you have not received the bondage again to fear. So anything that promotes fear is not of the Spirit of God. I have not received that Spirit. If it's making you afraid, it's not from God, and you need to stop giving it your attention. Notice, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, because that's what fear does. It brings bondage, but you have received the spirit of adoption. I'll stop right there. Spirit of adoption. What does that mean? I'm not just a child by God. When you're adopted, you're chosen. Oh, 
ho, 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 that this is not just a child you had. This is a child you saw their flaws, you saw their weaknesses, you saw their sins, you saw their mistakes, and you chose them anyway. You adopted them into a royal family, and God says, that's you. I knew exactly who you were before I came for you. Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He saw the mess of the world and said, I want it anyway, and adopted us into his family, chosen, loved by God. Now notice what it says next, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I love teaching on this. I mean, like this, this passage, that passage, right? I love that. Abba, Father. Father means the, the, the person in your life whose seed you came from. Everybody in here has father has a father. No matter who you are, you came from a father. But this word Abba means father too. So literally when you read it in the Greek, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, New Testament written in Greek. When you read it in Greek, it's like father, father. It's like, what in the world? Like father, father. Like why would he say father, father? That's confusing, Paul. Like father, father. One of these words though means the one whose seed you came from. The other one means daddy. The one who smiles when you walk in the room. The one who, when you make a mistake, teaches you. Picks you up. Dusts you off. Puts you back on the bike. Daddy. And everybody in this room had a father. But not everybody in this room has a daddy. And God said, you need to know something about me. You're not just my child. I want to know you. (laughs) What a joy to have a father who wants to know you. I want you to know I smile when you walk in the room. I want you to know I want to guide you. I want to lead you. When you make a mistake, I want to show it to you and help you learn from it. Not condemn you. I'm a good daddy. How dare us talk about God like an absent father? That he'll birth you into his kingdom, but we'll never talk to you after that. God said, that's not me. I'm your father, but I'm your daddy too. He keeps going here in verse number 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, let's start here in verse number 14, if we can go back up to that real quick. Let's read through it together on the screens. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So if I'm a child of God, I should be led by the Spirit of God. What we're talking about is what does that look like? To be led by God. Are you talking like a dream pastor? Are you talking about like a vision pastor? Are you talking about like there's thunder and the room shakes and like God is God and speaks to you? Like when someone says they heard from God, does that mean they heard a voice? Does that mean it's like something like shook from the heavens and it sounded like God? Because a lot of people think if you heard from God, that's what it would look like. Like you know you heard from God. Tell that to Samuel. When Samuel heard God, he thought it was Eli. If it was God just speaking, it's like, that was God. There's no way to doubt that. Samuel didn't even think, well, that was strange. He just got up and was like, you called? Talking to Eli. Because apparently God can sound like a familiar voice. 
that you have to tune your ear to hear, that's God. And that's what we're trying to do in this series is to answer the question, what does it look like to be led by God? Because if Samuel didn't have Eli in his life telling him that was God, Samuel would think he went his whole life without ever hearing from God. Meanwhile, God's been calling his name the whole time. And what we want to do in this series, not me, but in the series, is we want to allow the Holy Spirit to be our Eli and to come and be like, that's God speaking to you. That you move from, I think I heard from God, to I heard from God. And you know with clarity, like this is the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me. He will lead me. He will guide me. He will show me things to come. So he comes and he says, look, I want to lead you. Well, what does that look like? He keeps going here in verse 15. Romans 8 and verse 15, for you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the spirit itself, we would say himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Notice this phrase, the spirit bears witness with what? Our spirit. So if you're taking notes, write this note down. Next screen. The Spirit bears witness with my spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, His Spirit bears witness with my spirit. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Well, what does being led by the Holy Spirit look like? His Spirit is going to bear witness with my spirit. Why don't you say, even at home, why don't you say this with me? Even if you're watching by CBS, why don't you say this with me? Say, his spirit will bear witness with my spirit. How is God going to lead me? Nine times out of ten, his spirit is going to lead me by my spirit. Well, what about a dream? His spirit is going to lead me through my spirit. Well, what about a prophecy? Maybe but it will only confirm what his spirit has already borne witness with in your spirit. Now somebody says, what are you talking about? Let's build this out. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, if you're taking notes, write this down. And when you go home, you can do a little bit of homework for fun when you're doing your own Bible study. Um, And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, this is something that's important for our spiritual walk. Watch what he says here. The very God of peace, so it's not bringing you peace once again, not of God, because God's not the author of fear, but he is the giver of peace, sanctify you wholly, or we would say today, entirely. Sanctify you entirely, and I pray God, your whole, notice, spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So notice, according to scripture, you're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. I do funerals as a pastor. We have a large church here. I do funerals. Whenever I do a funeral and I I do the the visitation, I look at it, I'm like, that's not them. Have you ever had that before? It's like, that's not them. Why? That's the body they live in. The real them is their spirit. All, all, this, all the body is is the, the glove that's on the hand. You ever put a, you can put a glove, like glove is inanimate. I mean, it's just there. You wiggle around, put it on your hand, you can make the glove come alive. We used to do puppets in children's ministry. Any of you remember puppets? Some of you remember puppets. 
I used to do the puppets for the kids. And I'd get in there, put my hand in the puppet, and all of a sudden the puppet comes alive. And it's like the puppet is talking. And you're there trying to teach a biblical truth through a puppet. Uh, and now we've come up with more creative things, I guess. I still miss a puppet. Sometimes, I, you know, maybe I need to break it out. I don't know. But anyway, I don't have one. I say it like I have one, like I'm a ventriloquist. I don't. I don't have a puppet. Anyway, okay, rabbit trail. Come back, Joel. Come back. Uh, so if you have the puppet, the puppet's dead. There's no life to it until you put the hand in it. And the hand's the thing that gives it life. The spirit's the part of you that lives forever. That's the part of you that goes to heaven. That's the part of you that goes to hell. You're looking at me through two windows we call eyes. There's a you in you. Peter called it the hidden man of the heart. It's your spirit. And how's the Holy Spirit going to lead me? His spirit is going to bear witness with a what? My spirit. Now, notice, if you're taking notes, this will help to, to make it easier for you. Next screen. Spirit, soul, and body. I pray, Paul said, that God sanctify you entirely, spirit, soul, and body. So each one, every person in this room, you are made up of these three parts, your spirit, your soul, and your body. Your spirit gives you revelation and inspiration. That's the voice of your spirit. Your soul, which is your mind, your intellect, it gives you reason and information. And your body, it gives you reactions and impulse. You ever bought something on impulse? Not you. You think everything through. But no, have you ever bought anything on impulse? It's like, why did I buy this car? Like, you know, anyway, they said it was 66 easy payments. Uh, they weren't easy. Anyway, so you have your spirit, soul, and your body. Now, here's the thing. Most people, all they know about is these two. All they're aware of is these two. All they make their decisions by are these two. All they make their investments by are these two. Now, I don't know which one is better because both can get you in a, a little bit of trouble. You know, my mind would tell me, because I'm more of a logical thinker than an emotional feeler, so my mind would tell me that maybe living here is better because what people who live from here do is like, let me think about it. Let me read about it. Let me, let me talk to someone. And what they do when I'm living out of my soul is I want as much information as possible. And then based off of the best information at hand, I'll begin to make decisions, govern my life, parent my kids, all of those types of things. I'll collect as much good information as possible, and then I'll make an educated decision. I will play chess, and I'll be five moves ahead. And if they do that, I'll do that. And I'll make the phone call, and if they say that, I'll say this. And if they come back with that, I'll come back with this. And I live out of my soul. That's a part of you. You can live out of it and it has a voice. It's reason and information. Other people sometimes are more emotional feelers than logical thinkers and emotional feelers are very impulsive. Uh, it's, whoo, you made me mad and before you, before I even thought about it, uh, I said something and then after I thought about it, I was either thrilled that I finally told you off or I thought maybe I shouldn't have been so strong. But I made my decision based off of my emotion. You made me angry, so I reacted. You made me nervous, so I reacted. It made me scared, so I ate. <laughs> I'm living out of a body-ruled 
life. Well, somebody says, which one am I governed by? Whichever one you feed the most. The more I feed the body and give in to reaction and impulse, the more I become body-led. The more I feed the mind with more information and reason, the more I become soulish-led. But there is another way. It's an art that this world almost knows nothing about. It breaks my heart because it's so clear in Scripture. There is another way. You can be spirit-led. That you don't have to just live in the body and you don't just have to be governed by the soul. That you could be spirit-led. You could operate by revelation and inspiration. His spirit, the Bible says, his spirit bears witness with my spirit. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Witness. His spirit bears witness with my spirit. Uh, In a court case, if I bring up the witness, the witness testifies about something that they know. The witness is there because it's not an opinion. It's not like, well, I think he did. I I hope he did. He might have done. The witness is, I know they did. That's why they're the witness. If they don't know, their witness is thrown out because a witness testifies about what they know. So another word for witness is knowing. John put it this way, unction. So when I'm talking about being led by God, a lot of times it's not a voice, it's a knowing. When I said I heard from God, it's not necessarily a voice, it's a witness. It's I know, I know I shouldn't be here and I can't explain it, but I just know I should not be dating this man right now. Like I just, I know I shouldn't watch that. I know I should apologize. Well, somebody says, well, I just, that sounds like my mother. It sounded like Eli to Samuel. But there's a knowing. I don't need to take that money. There's a knowing. I need to put that back on the shelf. A knowing, a knowing, a knowing. His spirit bears witness with my spirit. I don't know why, but I don't need to go. I don't know why, I don't have a good reason. There's not a lot of information, but something's telling me this is not right to put my money there. It's a perception, something's, it's a knowing. I think I heard from God. (laughs) Now here's the thing, we don't like that because we want God to deal with us here and here. Why? Certainty. We, I want a dream. I want five red cars to come in front of my house right now. And God, if that's you, give me five red cars because I don't want to live by faith. What I want is certainty. And I'm so used to operating out of my soul and body that God, I want you to meet me there. That's where I want you to meet me. So I'm going to construct a box, and God never does well with boxes. I'm going to construct a box and say, God, meet me here. Have someone tell me something at church. Have, you know, if God, if this is you, if this is you, God, oh, if this is you, God, have someone just look at me right now. Have them look at me right now if it's you, God. Because we want God out here. 
And God will meet you there out of his grace and mercy. And we'll talk about that. There, there is prophecy. There is visions. There are dreams. There is an audible voice. There are people in scripture who heard an audible voice. But the primary way that God is going to lead you is a way that takes faith because the just will live by it. And it's a witness. This is not right. Our man, my head is telling me this doesn't make any sense. But when I look at my heart, I've got peace about this. Now, one of, I said in the first service, and I shouldn't have phrased it this way, I said the biggest difference, that's miswording, one of the biggest differences between the Old Testament and New Testament is this. Ezekiel has this foresight. I'll close with this. We'll look at this and go to John. I'll close. Ezekiel 36 and verse 26 in the NIV. Watch what Ezekiel has here. He's a prophet in the Old Testament. He has a vision of the new. And he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit where? In you. Where's the the spirit going to be? Is it going to be out here? No. The spirit's going to be where? In you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Let's just keep this up on the, the screens right here. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Now, remember we talked about last week in the Garden of Eden, God said, if you eat from the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of information, the tree of intellect, the tree that's going to make your soul come alive like never before, you'll know the difference between good and evil, the difference between trial and error, and you'll be governed by that. When you eat of this tree, you will die. He wasn't talking about the physical side of man. He was talking about the spiritual side that that part of you will die, Adam, when you eat that fruit, and you're going to bring that same death to everyone who comes after you until someone redeems this. What was it? It was a heart of stone. Now, if I took a stone right now, and I should have brought one here, took the stone, I picked it up, and I just threw it against the back of that wall and just threw it as hard as I could against the wall, would that stone feel anything? Nope. Would it sense anything? No. It has no feeling. But what if I took that stone, I picked it up, and I threw it at you, and it hits your flesh? Not only would you feel something, you may develop some feelings towards me. Am I correct? Because your flesh can feel it. Oh, come on now. Your flesh can sense it. It can know when it's hurt. It can know when it's healthy. Some of you can sit in your flesh, just in your flesh right now, and just in, in flesh, and you can, you can sense, I'm not right. You ever been there before? Maybe physically, it's like, I'm not right. Because your flesh can feel, stone cannot. You got to deal with stone differently than you deal with flesh. In the Old Testament, they had a heart of stone. So God is like, okay, Gideon, I'll, I'll wet your fleece, if that's what it's going to take for your flesh to be comfortable with that this is me. Children of Israel, yeah, okay, great. Like, I'll give you a fire by night and a cloud by day. You can follow that over in a promised land. And we come back in the New Testament, it's like, God, I won't, let me set out a fleece and let me, like, put something out there. And God, if this is you, just show me a sign, Jesus. I just want a sign, Lord God. Like, if you could just, like, give me a pillar of fire, like you gave the children of Israel, we would be kosher, we would be good, and life would be easier if you would just give me a clear-cut sign that This is you who is speaking to me. God had to do that in the Old Testament. Why? Heart of stone. But in the New Testament, oh man, today you have something different. 
Thank God he has taken out of you a heart of stone. And what has he put in you? A heart of flesh. And watch this next verse that comes after this. Here's the ramifications of this in verse 27. And I will put my spirit where? In you. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. That word decrees means things I am speaking to you and be careful to keep my laws. Now, where are the things that he is speaking to me? They are where? In you. I will put my spirit in you and move you. Where's the moving coming from? In me. Where's the words coming from? In me. Not outside of me. It's coming from within. Will God lead all those other ways? Sure he will. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. But the number one way that God is going to lead you is his spirit is going to bear witness with your spirit. We'll just stop right there. We can pick back up with this next week. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to tune into your spirit. If I told you this week, I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you and I'm going to tell you something that is just life-changing. It's going to blow your mind. When I get off the phone with you, you will be mind-blown. You don't want to miss this phone call. What would you do? You'd hang out by your phone. Why? Because that's the way I told you I was calling. If I told you I'm coming by your house, what would you do? You'd be at the house. We've got a construction project going on at our house right now. They tell us they'll be there at 9. We know that means 10, 15. But, you know, we're there at 9. And so we're there because we know they're coming to the house. If they told us we're coming to the store and we need to follow you from the store to the house, I'd go to the store and let them follow me to the house. And what we have done with God is God's like, I want to follow you. I want to lead you. I want to get this, show you things to come. You read the amplified version of that, things that will happen in your future. I want to be intimate with you. Well, where are you doing that with? I'm putting my spirit in you. I'm giving you a heart of flesh, a heart that can sense me, a heart that can know me, that now instead of just being here and there with fleeces, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you, that you will be in Christ and Christ will be in you. And I'll train you like a horse with a rein just tapping its neck, nose to go right, that it doesn't have to be pulled and shoved to go in that direction, just a little tap. And I'm like, God wants this. That you can tell God, I love you and you can sense his love for you in your heart. Somebody said, did he tell it back to you? I knew it. Because his spirit bears witness with my spirit. I want to encourage you. Look to your heart. Get out of the body. Get away from your intellect. Look to your heart. Run your decision through your heart. Well, somebody says, my mind's talking to me so loud. Then wait. You don't have to make a decision right now. Rush is almost always the devil. I say it this way, rush is wrong every time. 
Wait on the Lord. Run it through your heart. Well, my head's just talking so loud. That's okay. All of our heads do. Slow down. Keep running it through your heart. Peace will come. A knowing will come. Guidance will come. You'll hear a voice, the, the prophet said, saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Slow down. Connect to your heart. For he will Let's pray today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Pray this with me today. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I want to be led. Oh, come on now, mean it. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I want to be led by your spirit. Give me eyes that see your will, ears that hear your will, a heart that understands your will, feet that walk in your will. Holy Spirit, I yield my life to you. I yield my decisions to you. In all my ways, I will acknowledge you and you will, you will, Father. You will do it, Father. You will direct my paths. I thank you, Father. I'm led by you. Now, with every head still bowed, every eye still closed, even at home, don't cheat. You can bow your head, close your eyes, act like you're at church. Maybe many years ago, a year ago, maybe three months ago, maybe two and a half weeks ago, You invited Jesus to come into your heart. He gave you that heart of flesh. He took out that heart of stone. He gave you a heart that was sensitive to him. But over the process of those weeks or years, or just through life in general right now, with all of its craziness, with COVID and everything else, you've allowed your heart to get hardened. You've allowed a heart to just be taken out of the hands of Jesus and come into a place where it could be wounded and scarred and broken and depressed and down. And today, you want to give that heart back to Jesus and say, Jesus, just keep it. Or maybe you want to give your heart to Jesus for the very first time. Be recreated in him. I don't know who you are, what you're facing, but I do know this. Jesus loves you. If you want to give your heart to him, no matter what state that heart is in, he'll take it and he'll make it brand new, like it never sinned. So right here in this room, as well as everyone watching online, if you're here today and you say, I want to give Jesus my heart. I want to give Jesus my heart. I want to give him my affections. And I just want to say, Jesus, here's my heart. Just keep it. If that's you in this room or that's you watching online and the Holy Spirit's just tugging on your heart right now, you have a knowing, a witness that that's you. I need to give my heart to Jesus. I want you to do something at home or in this room. This works at home too because it's not for me, it's for you. If you're here in this room or at home and that's you, just lift up your hand and surrender right now to Jesus. Hands going up all over the room, all over the place. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Amazing, amazing. 
and just pray this prayer with me. At home, in the room, pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. You love me. In spite of my weaknesses, in spite of my faults, in spite of me not even loving myself, you love me. And today, Heavenly Father, I give you my heart. And I say, Lord Jesus, just keep it. Give me the grace to walk away from the pain of the past, from the bondage of the past, and give me the strength to live my life for you, Lord Jesus, today. I thank you, Father. Jesus is my Lord, and my best days are starting right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give-